Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to get through this thing called life. So hello everyone, it's Chris and I am going to bring you into your fast track for a chaplain or maybe even a pastor because we talked about both of those things, but I will focus on being a chaplain and I'm just going to hit right into it with what are the opportunities for chaplain work. I want to be very clear to open your mind about what it is to be a chaplain. So listen to what our guest Heather Riley had to say about the opportunities. For people thinking about coming into this field, I think it seems like there's nothing but opportunity. Yeah, I see it just growing and exploding and really starting to cross over every field because we're all whole beings. Where don't you need spiritual care? Mm -hmm. There isn't a space or a sector where you don't need it. Actually, the most exciting place is um, workplace chaplains, marketplace chaplains. The, The greatest part about being a chaplain is that you have privileged conversation. So every conversation that I have with someone is privileged. It's protected by law. Legally. Think about that. If you're a business owner and you want a healthy workplace environment, you want a place where you're your employees are going to thrive and want to come in. You're going to reduce your absenteeism. You're going to reduce your turnover rate. We were just talking about this. You're going to reduce that on your bottom line Mm -hmm. um, because you're not investing in training new people and you don't have this kind of rapid turnover and you have a space where people are wanting to come in and um, they're able to be all of who they are. They can bring all of their person into that workspace. Of course, Right. So that is really a a cool look at the way you could work as a chaplain. I think of it as just being, and this is, again, my naivete coming through, as being more of a religious pursuit. And it's not at all, actually. It's more of a, a spiritual, uplifting kind of pursuit. And along with that, it's a leadership role. So listen to Heather talking about, I'm going to lead with this whole conversation that we talked about around leadership and you know, coming into knowing who you are so that you can then go into this work. So I'm going to lead you here with this, with the leadership piece, and then we'll go into some of the brass tacks of you know what's required to become a pastor or chaplain, what really that even is, and then you know take you out with some of her tips and advice. So here's what she's talking about in terms of leadership. I think every leader knows that there is a price to be paid for leadership. And like um, a personal price, a personal or a, price, yeah, okay. right. That there is a sacrifice sacrifice. Yeah. And, um, and either the, the people you're leading are going to pay or you're going to pay. I see what you mean. Does that, does that make mm-hmm. sense? And so for me, it was a very pivotal moment where I, I began to say the kind of leader that I'm going to be is the kind of leader that, um, determines the amount of success I have by the amount of success that's achieved by those that I'm leading that my own success is going to become inconsequential Mm -hmm. to the success of those that I am um, bringing up, basically. So how do you get to be a leader? And how do you, you could use, apply this anywhere, whether you're going to be a chaplain or something else, but how do you get to be a leader? Here's Heather. For so many years, I lived out of a lie identity. I I believe lies about myself Mm -hmm. that just weren't true. And I lived out of those lies and I found myself in a reality that I was never meant for. But once I began to live out of my true identity, I'm now in the reality that I want to be in. And then how does that reality play out in terms of success? You know, how do you build this new reality? Well, the reality is ma- being made one choice at a time. And then many choices from now you look back and you're like, I'm living in the reality I was always designed to live in. One choice at a time. I thought that was a really, really important 
point that she made. I mean, she's making it as a chaplain. And if you are around this person being, you will understand that she is just really an even person. You feel like you're you're just kind of calm. Imagine me calm. <laughs> you feel like you're kind of calm when she's there. And it's because of all this work that she's done in her career. So she did not come from a background of a bunch of churchgoers where she, you know, had this great, you know, dad and this amazing mom and they you know showed her this exceptional life of service within a church context that is not at all her background so please as you're listening to that full interview keep that in the back of your mind and listen to what she has to say about redemption even when you know it's game set match and um everybody counted me out it was the comeback i mean this is the comeback of all comebacks oh yeah you're the comeback kid to finish where i am at right now um, coming from where I was and knowing how uh, I had hit self-destruct in my 20s and just saying, wow, there's redemption and nothing is impossible. You can do this. So that's she's saying that for herself and she's saying that for all of us, which was, I thought, awesome. It's just a great, just a great reminder that that is what life is about. Okay, so this is key. This is, I think, the biggest piece of advice that she gave throughout the whole uh, interview, and it can apply to chaplain work or, or any career. But keep in mind, as she's saying this, she's saying this because she gets this from her life career goal experience as a chaplain. I found that as I focus on my strengths, I can have exponential growth. When I focus on my weaknesses, I, I get incremental growth. But what's also made me a great leader is that I understand what my weaknesses are and I understand what my strengths are. And then I build teams around me that are diversified and I build teams of people that are strong where I'm weak. And um, that's a great, great quality. In it's a like leader. don't teach your eagle to swim, right? Absolutely. If you're thinking about being a leader, I think, I think really the, the role is a leader, and if you're going to be a leader, it could be in any venue. It doesn't have to be faith-based. Wherever you're going to be a leader, um, understand the type of leadership that you're pursuing. And this is, this is my nugget for you. And that is understand your strengths, understand your weaknesses, go for your strengths. You're going to get exponential growth and then build a team. Don't be too insecure to build a team around you that's super strong at the things you're weak in. Don't let your pride and your ego get in the way. Uh, cultivate their talents, bring them up and groom them, and you will be more successful than you ever dreamt of being. I love, love how she said, don't be too insecure to build a team. So flip that and say, by building a team in any of these aspects, you are showing your security and your you know, fundamental belief in who you are. So how do you, how do you get there? How do you become a chaplain? What even is a chaplain? I thought that being a chaplain was just kind of like being a, a pastor, only with a different name. So she helped us out there. So what is a chaplain, really? They actually are quite different. Okay. So uh, a pastor would be someone who's coming from a, a Christian type of background. Um, they would mainly be versed in just uh, Christian theology, Christian worldview. But the what I found when I went through clinical pastoral education is that there truly is a difference. So as a pastor, people would come to me, they would want to have an answer. And I would, as the pastor, need to have that answer from a biblical worldview. 
So as a chaplain, I'm actually trained across every major religion uh, because we work in healthcare, we work in different fields. We encounter a whole spectrum of people and we have to be ready to address their issues from their worldview and not bring my own worldview into it. So that, um, I'm just going to put this in here because it's something that might get lost in the full conversation. When she says she works in healthcare, so you see she's trained across all these various religions and her context as a chaplain is not necessarily a religious context. And when I say religious, I mean like, you know, oh, you're a Catholic. Oh, you're a Muslim. Oh, you know, like that. It's not, um, she's able to be flexible across different belief patterns and different beliefs that people have. So, um, when you're th- when she talks about working in healthcare, what she's saying is that she works in hospice, so that um, that she would get called in by you know hospice companies and then get paid by those companies to do this type of work. So I just want to bridge that gap as you're listening to the conversation. That's um, that's one of the pieces. Just like a you know a doctor would get it get paid to come in and do a, a consult. Her her work is related like that. Okay, so that's pastor, chaplain, and now a little bit on where does what's a minister and kind of what, what are the levels of that? Ordination is another level, uh, higher level. Okay. So for us, I started with my license, I see. and then two years later, I was ordained. Um, I now hold incl- ecclesiastical endorsement as well. So I think as you progress, it's kind of like, what's the next What's the next? What's the next in this journey? Right. So I was asking her in context of that about, you know, the different certifications that you could go through. And then we talked a little bit about this. Well, do you need that to do certain things? And I was t- talking about it specifically because she does work in healthcare, and you are um, essentially you'll end up billing, you know, health insurance companies, you know, on the backside or uh, Medicare, et cetera. But you don't, it's not necessarily the, the higher level certifications that you need to even be a, a billable, you know, chaplain. So just to, it's kind of interesting to the way that this conversation unfolds and the way that you can think about it as a career goal. So she had done some missionary work and I was curious, well, is that kind of a, a platform? Is that a starting point for where you might start your faith career goal and listen to Heather giving us an idea about where the missionary work fits in? I don't know that um, that's necessarily the way that you would get to be a chaplain. Okay. I think that um, definitely you want to look, do do I want to serve others? I think that's a big part of it. You know, if you want to live a life of service, because leadership really is serving, I think that that's one of the greatest keys that I discovered early on in my leadership. Right. So then how much schooling do you need? Like, where do you go? Because I just didn't realize that this was as academic as a of a pursuit as it really is. And when she started talking about her schooling and the level of education that she has in various ways, it's not like you, you know, go to university and you get a divinity degree. You can definitely do that. You can get a degree in th- theology, you can get a, you know, a divinity degree or be a, you know, doctorate of, you know, in of divinity, I think you would say. Um, and a lot of people, that's a very traditional route. She took a non-traditional route, again, encouraging people. She did not have an undergrad. She was able to um, petition to be included in this master's program based on her ability. So there's just always a way to go about doing this. But um, listen, as she talks about doing the master's degree. At that time, I said, okay, I'll pursue my master's degree. 
And I figured out there was a place where I could do that. Without the, without an undergrad. Without, without the undergrad. Mm-hmm. I was able to um, test and show that I could be proficient in master's level writing. And so they, um, I petitioned their board and their board reviewed my application and deemed that I would be acceptable. Did anyone program. else petition their board or is that just a special skill that you have? I, I think that... <laughs> I say that lovingly because I really think that it's so important for people to hear this because it's a very inspiring story. The The door is never closed. The answer is not yet. Right. Not right now mm-hmm. or maybe later or, you know, because you're just finding ways to just keep taking the messages, taking the learning, getting the coaching and finding a way to make it work. Finding a way to make it work. I think I think that's part of my, um, like I said, like that competitive drive that 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 part of me that says I won't be denied. I'm going to, I'm going to have that. And I think that the seeds for that were really formed in me as a a younger girl. I was a ballerina. I danced in high levels at the Joffrey Ballet Company in New York City. So there were certain things in me, certain drives in me that uh, are natural. That's just who I am. That's how I'm hardwired. That's who I'm designed to be. And that's okay to be that. And it's just harnessing that. And then it's saying, okay, how do I use that for good? How do I help humanity with that kind of gifting? Interesting that she says it as a, as a gift. So in this conversation, again, this is a very academic pursuit. So here she's going to give you an idea about some of that, the academic side of it. This one was a three-part interview, part on your doctrine, part on your polity of the denomination, and then one part on um, your personal life and leadership and how you live, basically. And you have a panel that you interview in front of, and it was about a five-hour. I was going to say, is it, is it as stressful as doing your like PhD orals? It, is, it was extremely stressful. I would think so. You got to be ready because all of your doctrine, you have to know inside and out. Mm-hmm. I had to theologically be able to defend every position that I had again what why I had all the answers right. thank goodness you had them then <laughs> I had them then them. so you had to be able to you, you theologically had to be prepared so I could theologically like defend. scripture and exactly okay yes so I could theologically defend every position that I had in about 24 points of doctrine right so and that was she was talking about the specifics for the the past pastoral training um to be a to be a pastor. She was an assistant pastor. And we talked a lot about that, which doesn't come up in this excerpt. So I'll give it to you here. We talked a lot about the opportunities in uh, for women in the chaplain side versus the pastor side, because there are only a few denominations that will um, ordain, sanction, whatever word you want to use, a woman to be in a, a leadership role at the pulpit. So, um, so that you have to I think, you know, she gave us the three examples when you listen to the interview, as you listen, you just take a note of that. Um, So the chaplain work actually opens up this field significantly for women. And in fact, she talked about this feminine energy that is often required in this type of work and how important that was uh, 
to be able to have that, whether you're a man or woman, you, you need this level of this type of energy in you. Um, so listen to the way that she bridges the gap from the pastoral training, which was very academic and also very service oriented. Don't get me wrong. That's all part of it. But the chaplain work brings in this another whole layer of complexity to your soul, I think, the way that she talks about it. So I'm in with... Um patients, I'm in with families, I'm actually doing the work. And then what you do is you come back and you reflect on the work that you've done. And it's a journey of discovery. And it's not so much about what the other people said in the room, as much it is about what I said. And why did I say that? Why did I respond the way that I responded? Why did I react the way I reacted? What was driving that? And so it's this very deep internal journey into your own soul to find out who you are, why do you do what you do, and just heighten your levels of self-awareness so that you can actually respond rather than react. And it becomes this great skill. This great skill. Imagine if you took the time to look at your walls, look at your filters that you have and looking at people and, you know, judge. I've, this has come up in several conversations. So I'm just going to bring it up here again. And that a lot of people who are really well-developed have have worked on this skill of getting rid of their filters. Um, not You can't get rid of them completely, but knowing, being aware of them and then um, being able to interact in life and in work and your career, especially knowing those filters are there. So um, what does that look like in terms of transitioning into being a chaplain? And I don't think that I would be the chaplain that I am without having been the pastor that I was. I think the incredible part of the journey from uh, clinical pastoral education, as I explained, you know, where were those walls that I had to deconstruct? Um, and and through that process for me was it was a very big challenge, especially coming from such an evangelical um, Pentecostal background to really wrestle through those issues with God and say, who am I and how do I maintain my integrity and how do I still love people that think differently and see things differently? And, um, and so that was like this huge journey for me. So now you're getting a sense of how this has worked, at least for Heather. Heather started as a pastor with, you know, pastor education, pastor, clinical pastoral education training. She did like a residency. And then that transitions into a chaplain. You know, if you're a pastor, you are educated in a certain um, theology, in a certain way of thinking about uh, belief systems. And then as a chaplain, that view is expanded. Your, you can have your preference, sure, in whatever that is, but your education is around various belief systems and around you and around not what do they believe? But what do I believe? And why do I believe that? And why would I act that way? And why would I say that? So it, it's just a it's just a different paradigm in in terms of this faith based career that you would have. And again, especially as a woman, there's a lot of opportunity in chaplain work. And I also want to bring out the various industries where 
this chaplain work can apply. I think of a chaplain as I, you remember seeing him in the hospital. There's like a little room that says like chaplain on the side. And you're like, who's in there? You know, is anyone in there? You never see anyone in there. Right. And you open it. It's like got, got like a stained glass mirror in it. Or so, we know what I mean. Like just whatever. What's going on there? So she talks about that workplace chaplains. You know, she works up with the police department. But what she loves is working with care providers. And that's where she ended up taking this career goal all down the line. So this is, I think, if you're a person who is academic and you love school and you love learning things and you love applying things and taking tests and finding out more about yourself and then doing more and working, working on the academic piece, you're going to love this. Like you're going to, you're just going to thrive in this type of environment because it is very academic based to begin with. And then as you pursue this goal, you grow so much in a personal reflective way that you can just be that much more of service and that much more valuable, which probably would tend to mean you have that much more avenues to get paid for the work that you're doing. So um, here's just a little, I'm going to interpret this like in the little piece just to give you an idea of who Heather is. And just remember that it is really never too late. And not having a formal degree has never been in your way. Has it been in your way? It hasn't been in my way, which has been really quite incredible. Um, It's it's kind of like this Mm non-traditional path. And I I just want to encourage anybody who's listening right now that it's never too late. And um, it's never done and it's never over because there can be an incredible position just for you that you have been going through life to get to that final point. Right. So what then is that final point of life, which is kind of curious that that's the ending of that last excerpt. And now we're going to talk end of life, because one of the things where a chaplain would get involved in is in that end of life. It's not even a conversation, just that end of life time. And uh, what's her kind of view on that? And how does she approach that work? I'm talking to people at the end of their life who are ready to leave this planet and go to whatever destination they have deemed. And um, I'm asking them, looking back, what would you say to me? And what wisdom do you have? And so I have this like incredible opportunity to gain all the wisdom of so many lives lived and hear their perspectives and see their heartbreaks, rejoice in their victories. And I think that that is what keeps me going every day is I love the, how I never know what I'm going to walk into. So for me, that's really exciting. Right. That's cool. This is like now giving you an idea of what she actually does. And then how does she get this ability? Where does that come from? I have very quick skills. I have to know right away when I walk into that room, I'm, I'm making instant assessments and reading people and reading people. Um, I'm reading their body language. I'm reading how they're talking to me. Uh, so I'm making kind of split second judgments and it really comes from experience. Right. So this is kind of cool. I think, I think there's so many interesting things about this profession, but as you um, go along in this profession. Some professions, you just get more experience by the types of things that you see. So this is one of those things that you get more experience by the levels where you see those experiences, which is kind of different if you can make that distinction in your mind also. I mean, she gets to talk to all these people, end of life, and then, um, you know, just kind of 
she gets to ingest all of that as like now that is richness of experience that she then can internalize, which is super cool and use then in her career. So how does she deal with all that? Imagine you're having these end of life situations with people and with their families. And some people are okay with this, you know, have a better, just a different way to take on this transition, if you will. Uh, So how does she work around the emotional aspect of it? I just, I love people. I, I, I truly do. I love people. The more that I hear people's narratives, the more I fall in love with them. And the more I fall in love with humanity, even in our brokenness and our woundedness and everything that we have going on, I still at my core, I love people and, um, to hear their life story and, and become invested in them. Again, it's that, where's my boundary? Because now I'm, now I'm invested in you. And, um, now you've become my friend and now I've taken you into part of who I am and now I have to release you. Right. So that is a really interesting thing to think about. If you can be like, always think about as we're having these conversations, who do you have to be to be this person, to be in this job, to do the things that are required for this career. And here she's talking about a little bit, we mentioned talking about the um, how she helps the care providers and how this really was a big piece of her thesis, even in working on her educational piece, is um, supporting the care providers with a compassion fatigue, which was an interesting phrase. But you imagine if that's what you're doing often, supporting people is that you, you need a little break yourself. And that's what I'm really passionate about is people have chosen to go into their profession. They should have the tools that they need to remain in their profession. And being a chaplain, offering spiritual support and spiritual care is an incredible tool to offer people so that they can have longevity in their chosen life. Right. So there she's talking about. So she works with the police department and what her role there is, you know, sometimes she'll get called out to, you know, go on, you know, scene if something is going on where it would be helpful to have her with someone from the community. But her real role is supporting the police officers. And this is interesting because if you've been with us on this podcast for other interviews, you know that we've talked to police officers who say like, you know, it can be stressful. You know, you're out there seeing things happen and we see, you know, dead bodies and, you know, murders and child abuse and things that are really, I mean, emotionally draining, difficult concepts and difficult. It's in you. It's in front of you. You can't hide from it. And then she is that person as a chaplain. So think about even we're talking about the, all the, careers in the police department, we didn't even put chaplain, but you could add chaplain to that because she is a member of our local police department. And then how she works with the care providers is in that in that hospital setting. So you have these companies that are hospice companies and any anyone who's had this experience knows that hospice comes in really when it is the end, you know, the last few weeks, maybe a couple months, you know, when it looks like, okay, this, this is not going to turn around, right? And then she comes in to really usher that family along that process. So a hospice company will then hire her to do this work. And then the hospice company, you know, gets paid the way they do as we're talking about it in terms of insurance and all that. Um, so a lot of just cool things to think about this. And even remembering that a, a chaplain is a person who can be a leader, can lead teams, can be competitive, can be driven, ambitious. You know, whoever you're bringing into this, if if you are someone who can deal with the academic piece of it, with the 
um, emotional piece of it, with the support piece of it, and wants to live a life of service, you don't have to you don't have to not make money. I just want to make that clear. You don't have to just say like, oh, well, I'm not going to be a chaplain because like, I don't know if I can support my family. You can a thousand percent support a family. You can write books. You can like help so many people in so many ways. And that is remuneration for you. It will come. Um, so I'm going to close with a couple of Heather's little uh, pieces because she's such a such a team builder, such a like a you got this, such a, you know, go getter kind of girl, but she really um, supports everyone. So I want to be very clear, Heather's background is not, again, it is not Mayberry, it is not, you know, the whole intact, you know, the four, the family of four on the Disney cruise, that is not how she grew up. So, um, so having her telling you these little pieces I think is is awesome. And I learned a lot from listening to her on these couple of points. So listen to her as she's talking about people's journeys. I think each one of us has our own journey. I think that we can look at other people's journeys and see where they've stepped along the way and say, is that a trail I can follow? Is that a pathway that can lead me there? Right. So so it's up to you to take the path. But then so many people, and she talked to this too, she had great mentors, find yours. She had great mentors along the way, but how she did that was um, was looking for them. So here's the final piece on that. And I think that that is a critical quality and a critical characteristic for success is that there has to come a moment where you have to be teachable and you have to submit yourself to somebody else and say, will you walk with me on this journey? And I'm going to listen to what you say, even if I don't agree with it 100% or I can't see how it's going to achieve the end result. I'm going to trust you enough because I see the fruit in your life and I want that fruit in mine. So there you have it. So that is the quick fast track from our chaplain guest today, who is Heather Riley. I'm going to leave some links on this one for those of you to find even educational opportunities, you know, licensing opportunities where you could be ordained, all that kind of stuff. And then maybe even some leadership links, because that is a really cool aspect of this profession that we were able to uncover from this interview. So thanks for listening. And we will see you next time. Again, it's Chris Calvert from Career Goals. Yes, I gotta have faith.